The gospel for this Sunday comes from Matthew, the ninth chapter. Then when Jesus went about to all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who was also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out along with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who, is, who in it is worthy, and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpent and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speaks, but the, word, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly, I tell you, you will not have gone through all the towns of, Israel's bef of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. This is one of those texts that really, really make a hard turn somewhere along the line, and we end up in a place that I did not expect. I mean, I've read this text many times before, so I see it coming now, but even now, 
this seems to go wrong somewhere, doesn't it? At the beginning of this text, we have a wonderful, wonderful thing happening. Jesus is going into all the cities and villages and the synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. And I tell you what, that seems good. If we had someone showing up here curing every disease and every sickness and proclaiming good news of the kingdom of heaven, I hope that that would be a good thing for us all, right? And then more than that, Jesus decides that there needs to be more people in the world doing this. And so he brings his 12 and he marks them off in pairs. At least that's how we're, we hear them, two by two. And in pairs, they are sent, all 12 of them, to do these same good things. To go into towns, to take nothing with them, but to go into towns to live with the people, to cure every disease and every sickness. Somewhere along the line, we understand that this is going to be tough. It starts out by saying that some people won't accept it. And so Jesus' instruction makes sense, right? Just leave. Go away. Shake the dust of the, uh, off your feet. In other words, shake it off and just go. It'll be okay. And then we understand something else. That we're being sent into the midst of wolves like sheep. That doesn't make us feel good. Then we realize that there seems to be division when these things are happening. These really good things are happening, and there seems to be division over the course of it. Brother rises up against brother in death. Father and child, children and parents. And by the end of this text... We have the disciples being instructed on what to do when entire towns persecute them. And their instruction doesn't give me a lot of hope for the ease of this journey. Jesus basically says, when a town persecutes you, seeks to end your life, flee from it and move to a different town. And the, where did this go wrong? In the beginning of this text, we are curing every disease and sickness and casting out demons. At the end of this text, we're running from town to town trying not to die. What went wrong? Why is this bad? And why are these really good things? Why are these really good people being killed? They're doing nothing, nothing but the work of God. They are literally sent by God to bring blessings and healings and good news. And they wind up running from town to town trying not to die. Why do we keep killing these really good things? Because I would like to think that we would... Welcome with open arms, the curing of every disease and the healing of every sickness. I would like to think that when good things come, 
we would welcome them and shout Hosanna and bring them immediately into our homes. But when really good things start happening, I nearly always see division. Some people are upset that the status quo is changing. Some people are upset about the way it's being done. Some people are upset because they feel like their traditions and cultures aren't being respected. When good things happen, we become upset. I say we. Because I know that I've been uncomfortable from time to time with when good things happen for other people. Why is that? Why, when something good happens, am I upset? Why, when something good happens, are you upset? I remember a story in Acts where there were two men and they had this woman who had demons inside of her. They used her as a seer. And so for money, people could come and learn their fortune or at least hear something that she had to say. And they made a living off of that. I believe it was Paul. It might have been Peter, but I believe it was Paul came and healed the woman, cast the demons out of her. And when the men saw this, they got mad. They got mad because their livelihood was taken away. Now, if you only frame it like that, Paul took the livelihood away from these two men, then you're like, well, yeah, of course he's going to be mad. But if you frame it like these two men were making a living off of the suffering of this individual, then we think, yeah, that's got to stop. How we frame what is happening and what is going on affects how we view and how we understand and how we value what is going on. Right now, in, these, in this gospel, we're seeing this through the lens of the disciples, and we're seeing this through the lens of Jesus. And so we think that when people go into the towns and cure every disease and sickness and proclaim good news, that that would be seen as a good thing. But imagine if we were okay with our town. Imagine if we had the opinion that everything was fine. We might be okay with the curing of disease, we might be okay with the healing. But what if people also came with healing and a message that was different than ours? What if they started talking about a Messiah? What if they started talking about someone who we didn't recognize and they were still doing curing and they were still doing healing? What if they started talking about something that we didn't understand or we didn't believe, are we still okay? What if they made this person out to be God? Would we still be okay? What if all the people in the town started abandoning their jobs just to go see this person and have someone healed? That's fine, we would say, but eventually you got to go back to work. What if all the people in the town started disrupting the way of life and my life suffered because of it. Let's say I own a business, all my workers aren't here anymore. Let's say I own a farm. None of my workers are farming anymore. 
Let's say I was making money off of someone who needed a particular job because of their illness or because of their sickness. Let's say I held slaves and this particular person announced that everybody was equal. The good news of God in Christ Jesus brings disruption. And it is good. It is great to the ones who are oppressed. It is good. It is great to the ones who are suffering. It is good and great to the sick, to the possessed, to the oppressed, to the downtrodden, to the poor, the hungry, the in need. But to many, it looks like disruption. And that, I believe, is why the disciples start running from town to town trying not to die. Because they're disrupting people. They are changing the way that lives have been lived for generations. They are changing patterns. They are changing culture. They are changing traditions. They are changing behaviors. They are changing values. They are changing faith. The way that the synagogues looked looks different. To put it in our terms, the way that the churches look looked different after they came. The good news of God in Christ Jesus disrupts us, changes us, In the hymn, we know that Christ is raised and dies no more. One of the lines mentions that the Spirit's fission shakes the church of God. The Spirit disrupts. For a good reason and for good cause, always. The Spirit doesn't disrupt just simply because the Spirit wants to disrupt. The Spirit disrupts because it's the will of God, because the Spirit is God. God moving among us, breathing among us, announcing peace to each of our households, and yet leaving when we reject. I am not an expert in understanding the will of God. And the reason I say that is because no person is. Anyone who claims to be an expert in understanding what God would want us to do is lying to you. In our very scripture, we understand that the Spirit of God moves wherever it will. It does whatever it wants. It is not bound to the desires of any one human being. It is God. What I do know is that when I see communities in disruption, when I see communities that are being turned upside down, I cannot immediately say that it is bad. I cannot immediately say that these things are wrong because Christ has far too much of a pattern 
of turning communities upside down whenever Christ enters. The Spirit has too much of a pattern in turning our lives upside down when the Spirit arrives. Too many times I have seen in Scripture and in our world that when the moment comes for good news to be announced to the oppressed and the forsaken, that there is unrest and brother turns against brother parent against child. Families are torn in two. We know this. We live in an area affected by this throughout our history. And yet, we know what good is. We know that the good news of God in Christ Jesus cannot and should not be stopped to maintain familiarity. The good news of God in Christ Jesus cannot and should not be stopped simply because we like the way our lives are going. The good news of God in Christ Jesus must always be proclaimed, whether there is unrest that follows or not. This week, I want you to look at all the unrest you see in the world, and boy, oh boy, is there a lot of it. And I don't want you to pretend like you're able to judge accurately what the will of God is. I hope I don't either. What I do want you to do is to listen for any voices that are asking for this change on behalf of people who are suffering. I want you to listen for any voices that are asking for this change on behalf of the oppressed, the sick, the possessed, the hungry, the poor, the outcast. If these are the people that changes would serve, then we need to at least consider, no, We need to pray and see if it's the will of God. If it is, then we have to go along. If it is not, then we have to ask why it matches Jesus' pattern so closely. Whatever we do, Whatever happens, I need us to understand that the life of the Christian will not be marked by comfort. That the life of the Christian will not be marked by living in an idyllic community our whole lives long. The marks of Christians are running from town to town, fleeing from the disruption that causes a threat to our own lives and trying not to die. But, but, wouldn't you much rather run from town to town with the good news on your lips than to live in a town on the shoulders of the suffering?
Wouldn't you rather run from town to town with good news on your lips than to live in a town built on the poor? Wouldn't you rather live in a town that was upset than live in a town where the upset are silenced? God be with you this week. If these are really tough questions, God be with you this week. If these questions irritate you or cause you unrest, God be with you this week as we go through the very, very tough moment of hearing change come our way. God be with you this week in your prayers and in your discernment as to what the voice of God is calling us to do. And God be with you this week. And wherever you lay your head. God be with you. Amen.